Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. If you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 2.10. So I get the privilege of starting a new series today. A new series as we're, we finished our, our, uh, our topic from last month, and now we're going on. Uh, we're talking about a clean canvas series, and in this, I get to announce that we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians in the month of July and August. How many of you love Ephesians? Yeah? Yeah. That's, oh, so many people love Ephesians. We're going to take some deep dives into the book of Ephesians, but you know, those who take deep dives have to know what they're diving after. How's that for a transition? And I'd like to announce that we're starting the E4 Bible College here on campus September the 15th. We're going to have classes. It's going to be great. We're gonna, we've got a great teaching staff already lined up. We've got our board lined up. We've got our materials lined up. Everything's lined up. We just need some of you to become students. You can take one class. You can take the full classes. And there's, we're offering five classes. going to, do we have the, uh, it's e, uh, e4biblecollege.org. Did we catch that, Jared? No. Okay. So e4biblecollege.org is where you would go to sign up, and you can find the classes, you can see everything you want to know, the cost and all that, September the 15th. So it's going to be Tuesday mornings, Wednesday mornings, and Thursday mornings from 8.30 to noon, and then Tuesday nights, 4.30 to 6.30, we're offering online classes. We're offering online classes in conjunction with the class, physical classes, and then uh, correspondence type of classes. So we've got it covered. I heard a term on the radio the other day, super, uh, superintendent of city schools was saying, we're offering hybrid classes. And I said, yeah, that's what we're doing for the Bible College. We're offering hybrid classes. You can, however you want to learn, you're going to be able to learn. And so that's coming up. E4 Bible College, September the 15th. So we're looking now at uh, the book of Ephesians, and if you've got your Bible open, Ephesians 2.10 is going to be our text for the next uh, two months, and Ephesians 2.10, if you've gone through growth track, then you know why this is important to the church. If you haven't, you need to get into growth track. We're going to be resuming those soon, and we're going to be offering those online as well. But Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's just pray now as we get into the word of the Lord. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege of preaching the word of the Lord this morning. I pray that, Lord, you would speak sovereignly to every person that's here, every person that's online, listening, Lord God. We pray that God, your word would touch hearts and minds. We're asking for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we do recognize that there are people watching online right now live. Actually, Pastor, uh, the Sambola family down in Nicaragua contacted me. They are online. I'm giving you a shout out right now. Darrington and your family, bless you in Jesus' name. And so we're uh, preaching here out of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. Now, who wrote this book? Paul wrote the book. He wrote it about between 60 and 62 A.D., at the end of the book of Acts, he was thrown into prison, and while in prison, he wrote this epistle, 
the book of Ephesians. It's a letter to the city of Ephesians, Ephesus, and they had the church there. Let's go back to see the founding of that church in Acts chapter 19. So I'm going to do a little teach preach here this morning and get excited about the word of the Lord. Acts 19, we see that Paul comes to Ephesus in Acts 19.1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. He finds some disciples, interacts with them, down to, now down to verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So the way, that's one of the names of the church back then, the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And so we have the first church split right there. Just joking, it wasn't really because they were still, they were not believers. So we left the, those who weren't believers and had a uh, daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus, he had church. Verse 10, this went on for two years. So Paul, after leaving the synagogue, then went to a rented hall, and so that was the first church building outside of homes we're seeing, or synagogue. Two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, and this was what we would now call Turkey, heard the word of the Lord. Wow. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. Paul, worker in leather, and so one of his aprons, you know, people would grab those and take it over to somebody sick, and people would get healed. So we have this church established through miracles, through teaching, through the power of God. This is the church at Ephesus. Now, Later on, we're going to discuss more in the next two months about Ephesus. It became the, one of the centers of Christianity in the first hundred years. And the gospel went through all the world at that time, and Ephesus was one of the main portions there. Let's go to the book of Ephesians now. Book of Ephesians. I just want to summarize the whole book for you real quick, all right? So this is Professor Steve teaching the students here before I get into the sermon, all right? So... Ephesians, great book. My pastor uh, that I was raised under, George Evans, it was one of his favorite books in the whole Bible. My mother, one of her favorite books in the whole Bible. Can't say it's my favorite book, but it's one of my favorite books. And so we're looking at this as Ephesians as the book about the church. In every chapter in Ephesians, it highlights some aspect of the church. So if we're looking at this now, and if you're on your app, all the notes are clearly listed there. You can follow along overhead as well. So Ephesians chapter 1, it's talking about the church and God's plans and purposes. We're going to get into this a little bit more this morning. Chapter 2 talks about the church bringing Jews and Gentiles together to build a spiritual temple. Chapter 3 talks about the church revealing the mystery and the wisdom of God. And then chapter 4, the church is seen in the unity and maturity of the body, the body. Then chapter 5 talks about the church being revealed in the unity of the body through marriage, as we look at marriage and the principles of marriage. And then chapter 6, the church as an army in a spiritual battle. 
So that's where we're going to go for the next two months. We're going to be looking at different sections of Ephesians as we walk through this. It's going to be fantastic. Go back to chapter 1 with me now. I'm going to zero in on the first 14 verses as we talk about God blessing you. God blessing you. People say it everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. But biblically, what does that mean? How are we blessed today? Let's look at Paul's statements about being blessed in Christ. Ephesians 1, looking down 1 through 14, just reading slowly and letting the word of the Lord speak to all our hearts. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for, here's the reason, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption in son, to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we, also, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ Jesus, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What a great passage now. Let's get into this and we see that we're talking about God blessing us and the reason he has blessed us is enumerated there and we're just gonna highlight three of these things. Number one was that he chose us. Number two, that he redeemed us. And number three, that he has sealed us by the Holy Spirit. Verse four, verse four and five again says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship. He chose us. The word chose there, we have it on the overhead, it means to select. The definition is to select. God the Father has selected you. Before creation, he selected you. He chose you. So God, who is outside of time, he's deciding, I'm going to create the world. 
And not only am I going to create the world, I'm going to create Joe in the year 2020. And Joe is going to be my servant. We got any Joes here this morning? No, okay. Joe is going to be my servant. i just use Joe. Joe is going to be my servant, and I've created him for a purpose, and I'm just hoping that he really accepts my invitation. Joe, come on. And Joe says, yes, I'm going to accept the invitation, and everything starts right then. Before creation, God foresaw it all, and he chose you in him before creation. Matthew 22, 14, the whole chapter 22, 1 through 14, talks about uh, many were being invited, and some came, some didn't come to the wedding. He says, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Chosen. So, selected. Literally, it means to become a favorite. Chosen, to become a favorite. So, many are called... But few are chosen, few become his favorite. We become his favorite by accepting the invitation and saying, yes, I want to be on your team. Yes, I want to be part of the kingdom of God. Yes, I want to serve you, and, and you're my Lord and Savior. As you accept his invitation, you become God's favorite. The word chosen means favorite, chosen. Think with me. Think with me when we were young. And you're on the playground, and we're going to choose teams for kickball, volleyball. We're going we're gonna to choose teams for some athletic sport now. And so all of a sudden, the two obvious leaders in the group, they stand up. You're a captain. You're a captain. Okay, we're going to choose. Anybody remember that process, choosing, you know? And immediately fear strikes your heart. Am I good enough? Am I going to get on the team? Or they're not going to choose me. Here's the idea. God chose you. Why are people chosen? Because of their value or their worth. Think about that a little bit. Chosen because of their value or worth. Oh, we're going to play kickball. Oh, that guy can really kick hard. Ah, well, I choose him because he's valuable to our team. And God said in the word now, you are valuable, and I chose you. You have worth you have value. There is weight to your life that God created within you. He chose you, and he said, I want you on my team. I want you to let that sink in today. Almighty God has picked you. And then it not only picked, but then it says in verse 5, and he's predestined us for adoption to sonship. Predestination means foreordained. It means to define a boundary beforehand. So before creation, God predestined you. Now, in order to understand what predestination, we've got to remind ourselves God is outside of time. It's like here's God, and there is timeline right there, and he's looking at time, and he sees the beginning, and he sees the end. He sees your life. He sees your beginning. He sees your end. He's outside of time. And it says here in uh, Romans 8, 28 and 29, talking about predestination, if you want to turn over there, Romans 8, 28 and 29, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. We just 
jump on that a little bit. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So biblically now, 1 Peter chapter 1 also reiterates the same thing. Foreknowledge precedes predestination. I know I'm in the deep end of the pool here, swimming around. Are you still treading water with me? We're in the deep end of the pool. All right, foreknowledge, God, outside of time, has foreknowledge of what's about to happen. Nothing surprises God, right? He knows everything. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. God, foreknowledge precedes predestination. You are going to be my chosen vessel. You are going to serve me, and this is what you're going to do. Predestination. Foreknowledge. He knows. So, here I am. I'm standing here. I'm thinking about taking a step to my right. Thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I took a step to the right. Was my step to the right predestined? Sure. Because God foreknew that I was going to do that. He foreknew I was going to step back to the left. That's silly. But do you understand what we're saying here now? In the big picture of things, your life, he foreknew and there he, he predestined. So according to the Bible now, Romans 8, 28, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined. God has always known that he wanted you on his team, but that you would want to play willingly. He's always known that. He's not only, uh, let me read that right. God has always known that he not only wanted you on his team, but that you would want to play willingly, seeing your time. There it is. Oh, yeah, okay, I called this person, and then they're, now they're coming, the wooing of the Holy Spirit. They're interacting. They're saying, yes, yes. Now I've got a great plan for that person. And this is how it works out scripturally now. God created you to play a certain position. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Just let that sink in a little bit. You have value. You have worth. God Almighty created you as an individual with your unique talents, your unique characteristics, and he created you to fulfill some purpose in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to that? that? That's just solid Bible right there. He created you for a purpose, and he created you on purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Verse 11 says that God also had a plan, and you were part of that plan of God. So as you say yes, the wooing of the Holy Spirit comes to you. Come on, repent of your sins. Come on, serve me. And that, that tug inside, and then you respond, yes, I want to serve you, God, immediately sets into motion the plan of God in your life. Those outside of Christ that just rejecting, no, I don't, no, I, no, I will not, I will not, I will not. Never find that fulfillment of doing what they were created to be doing. They're looking for it. They're trying to fill that vacuum, that void with many other things in their life, trying to find fulfillment. You only find fulfillment by doing what God created you to be doing. Uh, can you say amen to that? So we're looking at this now. You were created on purpose for a purpose. So you have been chosen, number one. Number two says in verse 7, you were redeemed. You are so blessed by God to, today. Bless you. 
Yes, indeed, I am blessed. I have been chosen by God, and I have been redeemed. Verse 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption. The word redemption means to ransom in full, to pay the ransom in the full amount required. Redemption. If you're going to redeem something back, it's to buy something back again. If you put it into the hawk shop, you're going to redeem it by buying it back. Redemption, to ransom in full. What was the price God had to pay to get you to play on his team? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. As Jesus willingly shed his blood, then you could use that to cover your sins and so that you would be clean. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the gift of life, the free gift of life, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is what we're talking about this morning. We have this problem of sin. We were born in sin, and we need to take care of that. Jesus provided the answer. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus shed his blood because the wages of sin is eternal death. Leviticus 17.11 is the principle in Old Testament that says this. The life of the creature is in the blood. Life of the creature is in the blood. So it's the taking of a life that's required to cover the penalty for your sin. Jesus' blood is the ransom payment for your redemption. God wanted you on his team. He created you to play a part. In order to get you on his team, he had to get you to say yes. And then he provided the means through the blood of Jesus Christ to take care of your sin issue. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he provided Jesus' blood for you so that you could have forgiveness of sins. The word forgiveness here in Ephesians 1 is just fascinating. It means the relaxation of disease. Not just any disease. It's a terminal disease. The relaxation of a terminal disease is the definition of forgiveness of sins. Yeah, you have a terminal disease. It's called sin. It will send you to hell eventually unless you take care of it. You take care of it simply. It's, it's the simplest thing in the world. You ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. You repent of your sins, and then you can be saved. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's so simple, all you have to do is ask. But it's yet so difficult because that's a humbling process for you to say, I'm not God, I'm not capable, I'm not Lord of my own life. I give my life to Jesus and I Receive his redemption. Buy me back again, Lord God, because I am in the sin. Pay the price. He paid the price. I ask forgiveness. I am forgiven, which means I'm blessed. You are blessed today. How many of you have been blessed in Jesus? Oh, come on, let's, let's see our hands here. We're blessed in Jesus. You've been chosen. You've been redeemed. And then the last thing here in Ephesians 1, you've been sealed. Verse 13 and 14 says this. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
When you believed, say that again, when you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The moment you believe, the moment you confess your sins, the moment you say yes to the call and purposes of God, you immediately are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to talk a little bit later on to the sign of that in just a second, but all that's required is you to believe. Every Christian around the world who has repented of their sins is sealed with the Holy Spirit. What does seal mean? It means to mark a person or a thing. Biblically, the word seal had the same legal validity as an actual signature. If you're gonna seal something, you take your signet ring or a stamp or something, stick it in some hot wax and then seal something. And that was the process that was legal. It was a signature, biblical seal. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 talks about the exact same concept and says this, 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. If you're reading King James there, it says an earnest. Earnest. We don't use that word too much anymore unless you're buying a house and you've got to have an earnest or a down payment. In other words, I'm giving you a portion of, 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 of the full payment to show that I'm good for the rest. I'm good for the rest. You can count on me. I will come up with the rest. Here is an earnest or a deposit guaranteeing full payment. So God says now, when you believe, I'm going to seal you. I am going to give, put a, my Holy Spirit on you as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. Whoa. <laughs> We're talking eternity. We're talking life forever with Jesus. We're talking salvation to the max now. We only know a little bit now, then we know a lot. We only have a little bit now, then we will have a lot. I like to use the term when I'm teaching classes, it's, it's now but not yet. Salvation is now, but not really yet. The fullness of salvation is we're going to be with God forever. The fullness of our salvation is in his presence forevermore. It's now, yes, I'm saved right now. I am going to heaven, but one day I'm going to heaven. And that is what we're talking about now as the seal comes to us. A deposit guaranteeing what is to come. God says, I put my, my name on it. I'm good for the rest. You can count on it. I'm giving you the seal of the Holy Spirit. Believe me, I'm good for the rest. Hallelujah. We can put our trust in him, right? He's the, he will seal us. How do we know that we've got that seal? Well, there's a gift involved. Go back to Acts chapter 2. Receiving a gift is always an option. You don't have to receive a gift if you don't want it. But Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 we see this happening in, in the New Testament, Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what appeared to be tongues of fire 
and separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we have this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we realize it's a gift from God. If we go back to Acts chapter 1, Acts 1 verse 4, it says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It is a gift. The word in the Greek is doria. It's a gift from God not to be confused with the charisma gift, the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. This is just the gift of God that's coming to you, always referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's a gift. You want the gift? You can have the gift if you want the gift. Acts 2, verses 38 and 39, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. So as we believe, we start this process. We're saying, yes, God, I want to be on your team. God paid the price for us so that we could be on the team. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. As we say yes to his plan and his purpose, he works it out in our life. We have complete fulfillment. And as we believe, he seals us with the Holy Spirit. When we believe, at that moment, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're on our way to heaven, and God is going to make it happen. He's guaranteeing it by giving you a deposit that he himself guarantees. Then he says that if you want, you can make sure that you've got that gift by this baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift I'll give to you. If you want it, you can have it, and it's that gift of the ability to speak in other tongues. Wow. Ephesians chapter 1, I love the book. How about you this morning? Let's just close with a word of prayer this morning as we think about these things. Maybe you're online and you've never really accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're here physically this morning. And although the Holy Spirit has touched you and drawn you, you've never really responded. Recognize you're kind of in a battle with God Almighty himself. He's wooing you and you're saying, no, 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 there's that eternal battle going on until you finally give. And you say, okay, I'm going to receive Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to accept him as my Lord. I'm going to confess my sins. As you do that, you are redeemed. You're bought back. Jesus' blood covers you. Just while we're in this moment right now, I just wonder if there's anybody here that you've never really received the Lord and you'd like to just have a word of prayer this morning. I'd like to lead everybody in a word of prayer, but anybody here that you said, yeah, Pastor Steve, I, I've never really prayed a sinner's prayer. I've never really accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'd like to right now. Anybody here physically? Raise your hand if that's you. Now we're looking at all those online. If someone's out there, I'm going to lead the congregation in a prayer. Ask the congregation here this morning to just repeat after me. And we're going to receive Jesus as our Savior how far this is going, this, this uh, video here, but we'll, we'll uh, let the will of the Lord be done. And so I'm just going to pray a prayer. Would you all repeat this after me? Heavenly Father, I come to you. I want to do your will. I want to confess my sins. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Be my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
I accept you now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand together this morning. Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I pray that you all have a great week in Him. And if any of you need prayer, I will put my mask on and I will be down in the altar area right after we're done here. Let's just close with a word of prayer right now. Father God, we love you. Thank you for choosing us. Before creation, you chose us. Thank you for that. You redeemed us. You made a way so that we could be on your team. Thank you for redeeming us. And then that awesome sealing of the Holy Spirit, you decided to give us a deposit guaranteeing what's coming. We thank you for the sealing of the Holy Spirit today. We do pray, Lord God, that you help us in our culture and our times now. We pray for peace. We pray for healing. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up. We pray that the church will be strong in these days and be a solid voice. You know, in these last days, you want us to be a light set on a hill so that those in darkness can easily see where the answer is. Thank you for giving us that. Giving us that ability to be the church of Jesus Christ today. So bless us as we go our ways now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Greet one another from a distance. Have a great day in Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.